famously said that our freedoms are never more than a generation away from extinction. Conservative Daily exists to make sure that never happens. With our community of 700,000 members, we fight every day to hold Congress's feet to the fire and stop them from surrendering our rights and freedoms. The fight to take this country back is not over. Please join our movement right now by going to conservative-daily.com and clicking the subscribe button to sign up for our free call to action newsletters. We have a chance to save this country, but only if we all work together. Again, this is conservative-daily.com and don't forget to hit the subscribe button at the top. Welcome back. Hour two of the podcast. We have some fill-ins today. Fill-ins, you got to decrease the volume of the music because we can't hear you when you speak in the same level as the guitar. But everyone in the in the comment section say, good job, fill-ins. They're doing a very good job today. Um, everyone say, good job. So lots of things to get to in the second hour. Joe had to leave, has to cross the T's, dot the I's on that public stock offering. And I use that because I don't know the exact language. There's a better wording for it. I'm just, this, that's layman speak. I don't want the SEC to come after me. Um, so he has to go off and do that. But there's lots to talk about today. So we're going to keep going into the second hour. I'm feeling a lot better. So got to push ahead. Missed a lot of days last week. A couple things I want to get to right off the bat. Go ahead, go to my screen, Mr. Producer. This is a court case that was just decided today in the Supreme Court. Haven't had a chance to read it completely yet. Um, can we go to my screen, Mr. Producer? There we go. Um, haven't had a chance to read it. I'll zoom in. This is a Supreme Court case that was decided today unanimously, and it has to do with guns. Yes, unanimously has to do with police going into someone's home and taking away their firearms. Haven't had a chance to read the entire case. I'm gonna do that after the podcast. It came out without enough time for me to read the whole thing, but I wanna read the first little bit to you because it's pretty stunning what was a unanimous decision. Remember, think about this in terms of red flag laws, which still have not reached Supreme Court scrutiny yet. So here we go. During an argument with his wife, petitioner Edward Coniglia placed a handgun on the dining room table and asked his wife to quote, shoot him and get it over with, end quote. His wife instead left the home and spent the night at a hotel. The next morning, she was unable to reach her husband by phone, so she called the police to request a welfare check. The responding officers accompanied Coniglia's wife to the home, where they encountered Coniglia on the porch. The officers called an ambulance based on the belief that Coniglia posed a risk to himself or others. Coniglia agreed to go to the hospital for a psychiatric evaluation on the conditions that the officers not confiscate his firearms. But once Coniglia left, the officers located and seized his weapons. Coniglia sued, claiming that the officers had entered his home and seized him and his firearms without a warrant in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The district court granted summary judgment to the officers. The First Circuit affirmed, extrapolating from the court's decision in, in uh, Katie versus Drombowski, a theory that the officer's removal of Coniglia and his firearms from the home was justified by a, quote, community caretaking exception, end quote, to the warrant requirement. This is what the Supreme Court decided. Held, neither the holding nor logic of Katie justifies such warrantless searches, 
and seizures in the home. Katie held that a warrantless search of an impounded vehicle for an unsecured firearm did not violate the Fourth Amendment. In reaching this conclusion, the court noted that the officers who patrol the public highways are often called to discharge non-criminal community caretaking functions, such as responding to a disabled to disabled vehicles or investigating accidents. But searches of vehicles and homes are constitutionally different, as the opinion repeatedly stressed. The very core of the Fourth Amendment's guarantee is the right of a person to retreat into his or her home and quote, there be free from unreasonable government governmental intrusion, end quote. A recognition of the existence of community caretaking tasks like rendering aid to motorists in disabled vehicles is not an open-ended license to perform them anywhere. Vacated and remanded. Every single justice signed it. It was unanimous with different opinions. So very interesting. Very, very interesting. I'm going to try and read that later in the day try and get a feel for just what it says. Basically, there's two different types of policing. We can take down my screen. Two different types of policing. There's investigative work where a police officer has to meet a certain burden of proof before they're allowed to do certain things to you. That's criminal investigations. And then there's there's community caretaking, which is the idea that if they see an old lady struggling uh, to carry her groceries because she's walking home, they can go over and assist her, maybe drive her home. That's community caretaking. That also includes welfare checks. So if you're calling a loved one and they're not answering, they haven't been answering for days, and you ask the police to go perform a welfare check, well, that's not a criminal investigation. They're just going there for the, the betterment of the community. They don't have the right to then exercise powers that they would have under a criminal investigation. So it's a very interesting case. Not often do you see unanimous, unanimous gun-related cases at the Supreme Court, but this is one of them. Another thing I saw, go ahead, go back to my screen, Mr. Producer. Merriam-Webster changed the definition of anti-vaxxer. Did you see this? Usually anti-vaxxer, as the noun, has been used to describe a person who just opposes vaccination. But according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, anti-vaxxer now also includes a person who opposes laws that mandate vaccination. So you can support the idea of vaccinations without wanting the government to be able to force everyone to be vaccinated and you'd still be an anti-vaxxer under this new definition. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. So we, we talk about lots of these things and lots of these kind of policy changes, not just a dictionary, but this is happening at all levels of government. And a lot of it's happening behind the scenes in ways that you don't even know exist. If it wasn't for this pandemic, we wouldn't understand the full scope of community health departments, city, county, state health departments. Now we know just how much power they have under emergency statutes. So if you want to change the way government works, you have to check out our sponsor of the show, How to Run for Office as a Christian Conservative. It's important to take the country back. And in order to do that, you have to learn how to run for office. And you have to learn how to support other Christian conservatives who are running for office as well. This is the only course of its kind that presents the course material through a biblical lens presenting it from a biblical worldview. It's very important that if you're going to run for office, you do not become corrupted the way so many other people do. It's absolutely critical that we glorify God through government for such a time as this. So if you want to learn how to take back this country, check out www.runforoffice.training forward slash CD and use promo code CD10 to get an extra 10% off the course. Again, that's www.runforoffice.training forward slash CD10 and then use promo code CD10. So I just sent over a clip. I hadn't seen this. I think this was today. It's the bit shoot link. 
producers, can we go ahead and put that up? It's a short clip, only five seconds. Let's go ahead and put it up and let everyone listen to it because I, I want to make sure that I'm not just hearing things because Joe Biden's kind of doubling down on that ultimatum. He's saying that we're going to suffer some consequences. Let's go ahead and play that video, Mr. Producer. Those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. Uh, that's a little extreme. Those who are not vaccinated will end up paying the price. Well, that's one of those things where you start wondering, well, what price is he talking about? If Donald Trump had used that language during his January 6th rally, he'd be impeached for that. They'd say, oh, well, he obviously meant pay the price as in some kind of threat with Joe Biden. I'm sure that the fact checkers are already saying that he did not mean that in terms of tyrannical governmental overreach found that interesting just wanted to share it with you in case you guys hadn't seen it already there was another clip over the weekend and this was from i believe the cdc director cdc director going out and and saying something that we've all been talking about for a while the idea that everyone who dies from covid19 who dies with covid19 in their system is not necessarily a covid death there's a little bit of a caveat for this though but let's let's jump ahead. Let's play cut number two, Mr. Producer. For you to for you to wear that mask, how much disease is in your community? Are you aware of any fully vaccinated individual who has died of COVID-19? We do keep a track of this on our website. Um, we are asking hospitals and and uh, healthcare facilities to send us um, cases of what we're calling breakthrough infections. They occur, they are rare. We are aware of 223 as of May 10th that are um, among the 115 million people that had been vaccinated by that time. I also wanna convey that now many, many hospitals are um, screening people for COVID when they come in. So not all of those 223 cases who had COVID actually died of COVID. They may have had mild disease, but died, for example, of a heart attack. So case, you said 223 uh, cases, but no... Uh... Very interesting. Now, we've covered on this show over the past year and a half. We don't do it as much anymore, but the cases are still out there. Ridiculous examples of people being killed in extraordinary ways. We've talked about the guy in Florida. And mo most of these come from Florida because Florida has what's called a sunshine law. That's the idea that as long as, as a government document doesn't have to do with some kind of sex crime or, or some kind of anything to do with children or child abuse. And there are a couple other exceptions, but as long as it doesn't meet one of those obvious exceptions, the government has to release it to the public or, or to any, any reporter who's asking for it. So that's one of the reasons when you look at news stories, the joke is Florida man. The headlines always say, Florida man arrested for tossing alligator through Wendy's drive-through window, right? <laughs> Florida man arrested for doing lines of cocaine off of a bird bath in someone's backyard. The reason that those kinds of headlines all exist is because it's the freedom, uh, the, the record, the, the freedom of information law, the Sunshine Law in Florida allows reporters basically to say, "Hey, you arrested a guy. I want to know everything about it," and uh, it makes it very easy to write those articles. So, when you take that Sunshine Law power and you apply it to COVID nineteen fatalities, you start to see, at least in Florida, and we, it's all around the country, but a very disturbing trend which is of people dying in very non-COVID ways 
but being listed as COVID-19 fatalities nonetheless. We've talked on the show about the guy who got in a, a, the 20-something-year-old who died in a motorcycle crash, a motorcycle crash, but he had asymptomatic COVID, so they labeled it as a COVID death. We talked about the roofer in Florida who was struck by lightning while repairing someone's roof. Struck by lightning, standing on top of a house. Died in the hospital after being struck by lightning, and they labeled it as, as a COVID death. We've seen people fall off a ladder, elderly people fall off a ladder, break a hip, die in their home, COVID death. Someone shot himself in the head, COVID death. We've seen stabbings, gunshot wounds, COVID deaths. It's very obvious that every single COVID death is not real. Now, that's not to say people didn't die, but simply classifying it as a COVID death because someone was COVID positive has been a sham from the start. There's a difference between people who die from COVID and people who die with COVID. Is a very, very big difference. Now, for a year and a half, we've been called conspiracy theorists for even positing that, for even suggesting that any hospital in the country possibly could have labeled someone as a COVID death and them to have died from something else. We were labeled conspiracy theorists. We've had videos taken down off of YouTube. We've, we've been fact-checked on Facebook, right, for a year and a half. And in walks this CDC official nonchalantly on CNN saying, well, we all know that the hospitals are doing this. We all know that they're testing people for COVID-19. And, uh, and when they find COVID-19 in their system, they're labeling it as a COVID death, even if they die from other causes. They're saying it nonchalantly. Make no mistake, what we are seeing is the reversal. I firmly believe that one of the reasons that the Biden administration lifted the mask mandate is because Joe Biden got horrible, horrible job numbers. I don't know if you saw this, but one of Joe Biden's economic advisors came out after those job numbers and claimed that the reason, the reason that the job numbers for April were bad was because Easter was in March. That's what she claimed. Easter was April 4th. So Easter was in April. It's ridiculous enough to think that the Biden administration would try to blame bad job, like horrendously bad job numbers for a religious holiday not falling in the month, but it did fall in the month. But even so, what would Easter actually, Easter is a very important day, not trying to denigrate Easter, but as an economic driver, it's not like Christmas, right? It's not like, it's not like those seasonal hirings that you see at, at different box stores where they're just hiring more people to stock shelves. Easter doesn't get that treatment because it's not a big buying holiday. You know, sure, there's candy and all that, but it's not a big economic driver, Easter. But Biden says, oh, uh, Biden administration says, oh, it's because Easter wasn't in, in April. It was in March. False. It was in April. But also March was revised downward, too. So it's one of those head scratching moments. Uh, they don't want you to think into it. Right. So I firmly believe that part of the part, part of the driving uh, reasoning behind removing the mask mandate was one that Biden's had suffered terrible jobs numbers. They, they had prepared a whole big celebration in the White House for creating more jobs than any president in such a short amount of time. And they had to cancel it with like an hour or so to go because it just wasn't true. I also think one of the reasons for this is Anthony Fauci getting grilled on Capitol Hill and lying under oath. What's the easiest way to, to, to hide the fact that the NIH has been providing funding to gain a function research in China? What's the easiest way to get, to get around that? Bad news story? Pandemic's over. Easiest way to get around it, right? So they're claiming, I, I think that that's probably one of the drivers. But what we're seeing is not just 
this CDC official changing, admitting that there's too many COVID deaths in, in the, the data set, that there is a significantly non-zero number of people in that data set who did not really die from COVID. They're going to try, they're already doing it. Like they've stopped testing. They've stopped uh, counting people who get COVID-19 after they're vaccinated, unless they're hospitalized. They've stopped counting those cases. So right off the bat, those cases will not get added to the total, the total number of COVID-19 cases. So that, that will just seem lower, right? They, they are changing, they're moving the goalposts. They're not going to do it for Trump. They're not going to admit that they miscounted Trump on purpose. They're not going to admit that, but they're going to change the rules so that they can make Joe Biden appear like a better president. Mark my words, they're going to revise these rules, change these rules, change the counting metrics, and they're going to actually stop hospitals from counting COVID deaths just because they have COVID. But the interesting thing about that, I want to, I want to play that clip again. Notice that this is being discussed in a very specific context, not in the context of other people, just the average person getting COVID and being labeled as a COVID death just because they had it in their system. This is specifically talking about vaccinated individuals. So let's go back, Mr. Producer, to that clip, clip cut number two, and let's make sure we play it from the beginning. For you to, for you to wear that mask, how much disease is in your community? Are you aware of any fully vaccinated individual who has died of COVID-19? We do keep a track of this on our website. Um, we are asking hospitals and, and uh, healthcare facilities to send us um, cases of what we're calling breakthrough infections. They occur, they are rare. We are aware of 223 as of May 10th that are um, among the 115 million people that had been vaccinated by that time. I also wanna convey that now many, many hospitals are um, screening people for COVID when they come in. So not all of those 223 cases who had COVID actually died of COVID. They may have had mild disease, but died, for example, of a heart attack. So Casey uh, said 223. Uh... So they're discussing this after spending a year and a half avoiding this topic, avoiding the topic of COVID numbers being inflated by including people who died with COVID in the numbers of people who died from COVID. After ignoring it for a year, they're only talking about it because the scrutiny is now coming on people who have gotten the vaccine and died from COVID. So the reason that, that she is out here making that statement is they don't like that the Trump rules are being applied in the Biden era to vaccinated individuals. And they're saying, whoa, whoa, just because someone died with the vaccine in their system doesn't mean the vaccine killed them. And in truth, that is true. That is absolutely true. We, we've seen a lot of, let's be honest, some of you aren't gonna like me right now. We've seen a lot of misinformation spreading in recent weeks and recent months, touting pretty significant numbers of Americans who these articles are claiming were killed by the COVID-19 vaccines. Now, gonna say this out, out front, no doubt in my mind that people have died from the vaccine. People have died from other vaccines. I myself, technically, what's the term for it? Vaccine injured. Yeah, I, I got a really bad batch of the tetanus shot when I was in college. Um, it, it, it didn't take. It gave me rashes all over my legs, all over my arms. Really, really bad reaction. So to this day, um, when I get a, a Tdap or DTAP, whatever it is, I have them remove the tetanus. It's a special order, but they can do it because I, my body just does not react well and had a bad reaction to tetanus and I don't wanna go through that again, the tetanus vaccine.
I, I understand the, the concept of vaccine injury. It is very real. There is a subset of the population who goes through anaphylaxis. They have some kind of bad reaction whenever things get injected into their body. We, we see this all the time. People have peanut allergies. People have bee sting allergies. They have to have EpiPens on them because they could literally die from stepping on a bee. That's a very extreme form of anaphylaxis, but anaphylaxis in general is very real. People do die from getting vaccinations. That is absolutely true. What is not true is the number being put out there of over 4,000 people being killed by the vaccine. This is the number. Let's, let's go to image number one. This is from the CDC website. And yeah, you don't trust the CDC. I don't really trust the CDC as much either. But it's important to talk about what truth is. Over 259. No, go back to it. We, I got to read it. Over 259. In the United States from December 14th, 2020 through May 10th, 2021. During this time, VAERS received 4,434 reports of death, 0.0017%. That's that's very small number. Among people who have received a COVID-19 vaccine, CDC and FDA physicians review each case report of death as soon as notified and the CDC requests medical records to further assess reports. A review of available clinical information, including death certificates, autopsy, and medical records has not established a causal link to COVID-19 vaccines. However, recent reports indicate a, a plausible causal relationship between the J&J Janssen COVID-19 vaccine and a rare and serious adverse event, blood clots with low platelets, which has caused death. So let's, let's take that down. What is VAERS? VAERS is a system. Let's go ahead and put up my screen, Mr. Producer. VAERS is the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. If you get a vaccine and you have a bad reaction and you become vaccine injured, this is where you are supposed to go and report your vaccine injury. VAERS. And now there's other databases. For example, the CDC has one that they will text out to you after you get a vaccine, basically asking, hey, how's it going? But VAERS is the one that that, that 4,400 number is coming from. VAERS, all VAERS does is, is, is it says, okay, did you get a vaccine? What happened afterwards? Now, Without a doubt, there are some, let me go ahead and take down my screen now. There are some, some in that data set who have died from the vaccine. That's truth. There is truth to that. There's truth to every medication, every medication, every vaccine, pretty much everything you can put in your body. It is possible for a very small subset of the population to have a deadly reaction to it. Everything, everything that you can possibly put in your body can kill you in different doses, depending on how much you put in. And everyone's different. Some people do have allergic reactions. This notion, though, that there, that you can just take the 4,400 number and, and promote the claim that 4,400 people have died from the COVID vaccine, we, again, let, let's be intellectually honest here. We have spent a year and a half complaining that the left was conflating people who died from COVID and people who died with COVID. And for a year and a half, we've been screaming at the top of our lungs, no, that's wrong. You can't just say that anyone who died with COVID in their system died because they had COVID, that COVID killed them. It is intellectually dishonest to then turn around and apply the same faulty logic to this. Just because people died after getting the vaccine does not necessarily mean the vaccine killed them.
when you look at the average age, I looked a couple of weeks ago, it might've gone a little bit lower, which it will as younger people get the vaccine. The average age, when I looked at it, of, vac- of post-vaccine deaths that were reported into VAERS, the average age was either 77 or 78, which is right there at the life expectancy in the United States at the moment. So anytime you see a, a data set, and I, I don't want to reduce people to a data set, but I want to talk about this from a statistics point of view. Whenever you see a data set and you see that the average, dealing with fatalities, that the average age of someone who died after getting the vaccine is right there next to the average age of just someone who died who didn't get the vaccine, you can't just jump to the causal links. Here's an example. If an 86-year-old, if an 86-year-old gets the COVID-19 vaccine, do you know what the odds are of that 86-year-old dying after getting that vaccine? Well, technically it's 100%, right? The odds of any of us dying after getting a vaccine or taking a medication is 100% because if we're not already dead, we're gonna die afterwards, right? So it's 100%. But 86 years old, in every 17 days, there are 41,000 Americans aged 86 years and older who die. It's terrible, but it's part of life. When, when you get to that age, yes, it, 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 people die. It's a ripe old age, right? 86 years old. So if you go in to a nursing home and you vaccinate the entire nursing home population, right? That vaccine is not going to magically extend their life expectancy. It's, it's, it's not. There are people in those nursing homes who already have terminal conditions. It's very true. People go into those nursing homes and their families know they are never coming out. They will likely die there. It's a terrible feeling, but it's, it's very true. Just because a terminal nursing home patient or someone getting up to those years where you just know it's, it's a matter of time, just because they've gotten vaccinated doesn't mean it is legitimate to claim that the vaccine killed them. There are people who've died from old age who got vaccinated. It, 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 it's terrible. All death is terrible. But to just link it and say, yes, because this many people died after they getting the vaccination, that means that the vaccination killed that many people. It's just, it, it's not true. And, and again, that's not me saying that I, I that I dismiss the idea of anyone dying from a shot. It's it's true. People die from vaccines. People die from medications. People die from supplements, right? People take too many vitamins. People take too many aspirins. I've heard of someone getting very ill by eating too many gummy vitamins that they make for children. Yes, it's, it's real. It is very real. And it needs to be completely investigated. But short of that investigation, I don't know, I, I, have, a, I have a problem with jumping to the same conclusions that we've been denouncing for a year and a half, which is that, oh, anyone with the vaccine died because of the vaccine. I, I, I'm not okay with that. And I'm, I'm just trying to walk everyone through this because it's important. It is important to get to the bottom of it. This is how Tucker Carlson covered it, which if you notice, he used the proper language. But in my opinion, it was presented in a way to insinuate that the vaccine is killing all of these people. Let's go ahead, Mr. Producer, and play cut number one. Between late December of 2020 and last month, a total of 3,362 people apparently died after getting the COVID vaccine in the United States. 3,362. That's an average of roughly 30 people every day. So it's true. It is an average of 30 people a day died who had gotten the vaccine previously. Now he's presenting it in, a, in, you notice the language, he didn't say the vaccine killed them. 
they died after getting the vaccine. So he, the language he's using is very carefully crafted to protect himself from accusations. But when it's presented in a segment that is unapologetically anti-vaccine, it, it has the it is designed, in my opinion, to create the assumption that the vaccine is killing all these people, which, yes, if the vaccine is killing 4,400 people, then I want to get to the bottom of it. I absolutely do. And yeah, maybe the CDC can't be trusted in getting to the bottom of it. Maybe you need some other outlet that can get to the bottom of it. But ultimately, you can't just jump to the conclusion, say that throw statistics out. I don't care. I'm not, I don't care about correlation. I am demanding that this be viewed as causation. That's just a step too far. It's a step too far, in my opinion. Everyone's free to disagree. And this isn't a pro-vaccine segment. It's not. This is a pro-statistic segment. It's a pro-intellectual honesty segment. And it's a, uh, and I, I think it's important to talk about it. What's also important to talk about is that if you spend a lot of time outdoors, spend a lot of time hiking, fishing, hunting, off-roading, mountain biking, horseback riding, I don't know, whatever, whatever you do out in the middle of nowhere, in the woods, in the mountains, if disaster strikes, are you prepared? Are you prepared to get to a hospital if you are somewhere where ambulances can't even reach you? We've all seen the stories. I just had someone message me that, that their kids had to take a five-minute helicopter ride from one town to another, to a hospital, and it cost him $45,000. I will say that again, a five minute helicopter ride from one town to the town next door to get to go to the hospital cost this guy $45,000. That is absurd. And it shouldn't be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way. If you sign up with AirMedCare Network for as low as $85 a year, you, your wife, your spouse, your entire household will be covered should a disaster strike and you need an air medical transport. As long as you are flying with an air AMCN approved flyer, it is 100% covered. So please check out the link in this description, airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily. And if you use promo code daily, you'll get up to $50 back in the form of an e-gift card for signing up. Now that up to $50 because there's different plans, one year, three year, five year. If you sign for the five year, you get up to 50, you get $50 back. So, but make sure you check it out because this really is coverage that no one should go without is very, very important, especially if you spend a lot of time outdoors. Again, that's www.airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily. So let's go to my screen. This is a pretty funny headline I saw today. Elites are worried COVID cases in India plummet after government promotes ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine use. So again, this is a fair headline, a fair headline, right? You cannot prove causation. What is causation? Causation is when you run statistical analyses. Let's keep it keep it up. When you run statistical analyses on data sets and you can prove with a relative degree of certainty, with a relative degree of certainty that X caused Y. That's causation. Correlation is a much lower form of linking two different events and saying that, hey, these two things have something to do with one another, but we cannot guarantee that X caused Y, maybe Y caused X. Maybe there's some other variable out there that caused both of them, we don't know. So th this is a, it's a fine headline and it's truthful. COVID cases in India plummet after government promotes ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine use. That is true. The case numbers dropped after 
something else happened. But you know what also is true? The case numbers dropped after people started smearing cow crap all over their bodies. This is true. This is what's happening in India. People in India are smearing cow dung over their bodies to ward off COVID-19 as second wave crisis worsens. That was, this is an article from two days ago. So it, it would be intellectually dishonest of me to say COVID-19 plummets because people are smearing cow crap all over their body. Obviously, we all know that rolling around in cow feces is not going to protect you from anything with the maybe exception of it being a kiss from your wife. That's probably the only thing you'll, you'll avoid by smearing yourself in, in cow crap. It's not going to protect you from anything, a virus. Uh, it's gross. It's probably actually going to make you sicker, for being completely honest. But just to show you how, how ridiculous it is and how you can't really make causation arguments, it is, it is intellectually dishonest to present a headline as saying COVID rates dropped after people started smearing themselves with cow dung. You need those statistical analyses, and that takes time. It does take time. Now, I don't trust the CDC nearly as much as I used to trust them. But statistics, numbers, don't lie. And eventually the stats will come out and we'll be able to say with a high degree of certainty what's what. But until then, we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to everyone to avoid hyperbole, to avoid armchair statistical analyses, and to avoid claiming that X caused Y when there is not any real evidence yet to confirm that X caused Y. And again, that is not to say that people did not die from the vaccine. People did die from the vaccine. People did die from, ev from other vaccines. That is true. But when you look at the, I'll say it again, when you look at the average age, the average age of someone who had a, fate, a fatality after getting vaccinated, last time I checked was 77, 78 years old, which is right there at the, at the, uh, at the average age of death in the United States. It's right there. So just be very hesitant. The, the other thing we're seeing, the other article I was seeing in trying to prepare for this, it's, it's getting shared a lot on social media. It's the idea that, um, that there's been orders of magnitude, more people dying from vaccines this year. I, I think that the, the headline I saw was more people have died from vaccines this year than the previous 13 years combined, which that's, that's a terrifying headline. And if that is true, if vaccines have killed more people this year, in the last in the last year than the previous 13 years combined that is absolutely worthy of being investigated but here's the part that it leaves out go back to go back to image number one mr producer image number one this is from the cdc the cdc saying over 259 million doses of the covid 19 vaccines were administered in the united states from december 14th to may 10th 259 million doses i guarantee you I guarantee you that if you dive into this, we're going to take that down. I guarantee you, if you dive into this, you will see that there were probably 13 times or even more vaccines by quantity administered than the previous 13 years, right? We never had a year where we say, oh yeah, we had 259 million doses of vaccine. You get vaccinated if you're a kid. We don't have that many kids, right? You get the flu vaccine. There's other rare vaccines that you might get in certain situations, but we don't have, we've never had a year where 259 million doses of the vaccine were administered. So to compare it and say, well, there's, there's more deaths now than the previous 13 years combined. 
it's I don't want to call them lying because I, I do believe that there are people who look at this and they have the best intentions and they want to make sure that we're not people aren't dying needlessly. So I don't want to call them liars, <clears throat> but it's a little disingenuous because the data set, it, it's apples and oranges. You can't have one year where 259 additional vaccination doses were given. And that's not even including the additional numbers of flu vaccines that were administered in the last year. Because remember, they were doing a huge drive for flu vaccines too. And I'm as big of a flu vaccine skeptic as the next guy, right? Every time I've ever gotten the flu vaccine, I've gotten the flu. Every time I haven't gotten the flu vaccine, I haven't gotten the flu that year. So I'm very skeptical of the flu vaccine. Very, very skeptical. But to take a year where more vaccines have been administered than ever before, and to try and present that as an apples and apples comparison by other years in which there was not a massive vaccine push. And on top of that, understanding that the, the raw data set is not provably people who died because of the vaccine, it's just people who died after getting vaccinated. And understanding that the average age of someone who died after vaccinated was still in their 70s, it's just very disingenuous. And, and I, I don't want to call it people who promote this liars, because I, again, I believe that a lot of people who do this do so with the best intentions. I do. But when you actually look at the numbers, and this is not saying that the vaccine is completely safe because the vaccine isn't completely safe because there's always going to be someone out there who has an anaphylactic shock. And that's true. It's true for everything. There is no such thing as a 100% safe vaccine. And the CDC doesn't say that. If you notice the language, they don't say that. They just say it's safe and effective. And they don't reach that. They never claim 100%. They never claim it. So no, the vaccine is not completely safe. No vaccine is. And it's up to everyone to decide whether you want to get this vaccine, whether you want to get the flu vaccine, whether you want to do diphtheria, whooping cough, uh, pertussis, tetanus, right? Everything. It's up to everyone to decide. And, and I, I am firmly against anyone forcing you to get something injected into your arm. I will stand right next to you on the front lines of that fight because that is completely unconstitutional. But where you lose me on the argument is these not made up numbers, but misinterpreted numbers, numbers that are, that appear to be presented in a way that is designed to cause alarm, that's designed to cause extra clicks, that is designed to cause extra ad revenue. And that is very, very skeptical of, of, uh, of just big pharma in general. And listen, I am skeptical of big pharma. I, I am. I absolutely am. <clears throat> Diana in the comment section says, what about all the miscarriages? That is a legitimate question. That is why vaccines are always, they save it for last. Any vaccine that comes to market, they wait until last to decide whether or not it is safe for pregnant women because the risk is so high. So that is absolutely something that needs to get investigated. It should for everything, right? No corner should ever be cut until they can confirm with certainty that whatever you're going to put in your body is not going to harm the unborn child in the womb. But here is the unfortunate truth. If we want to use the term abortifacient, that's, that's, listen, I do a lot of pro-life advocacy work. I'm on the board of directors in a, uh, for a pregnancy center in Las Vegas, pro-life pregnancy center, first choice pregnancy services, the busiest pro-life pregnancy center in the country. We see more pregnant women in crisis than any other pregnancy center anywhere else, I would say on earth and, and, and minister to them from the Bible, right. And, and, and try and convince them to, to choose life over death more than any other center. So I, I understand very intimately. I understand 
the arguments surrounding abortifacients. What, what worries me is, again, this, is, this comes back from causation correlation. Anyone who's ever been pregnant or had a wife who is pregnant knows that there is a laundry list. It is the longest list imaginable of what that pregnant woman can no longer do because it, it is or could be or possibly be dangerous to the baby. So let's list a, a number of things that are technically abortifacients. Yoga classes can be abortifacients. Zumba classes, any kind of strenuous exercise can be abortifacients. Basic over-the-counter drugs, abortifacients, a basic fever, just catching a cold could be abortifacient in nature, right? Any, any host of household products that, that would be normal in other cases, exposure to them could trigger a miscarriage. This is true. If you are pregnant, <clears throat> everything, I, I don't want to be a fear monger, but if you're pregnant, pretty much everything out there could pose a risk to your pregnancy. It is a very, is a very tenuous time. It really is. So is the vaccine causing miscarriages? Listen, there's enough stories that make me really, really argue against anyone who's pregnant getting a vaccine. And that is, I would not recommend anyone who's pregnant getting the vaccine. If, if it's a decision between you and your doctor, but to me, for me, if it was my wife, she was pregnant, I would not advocate her getting the vaccine because even if you don't know whether or not the vaccine can be linked directly to causing miscarriages, we know just from human experience that pretty much everything can cause a miscarriage. It, it, everything, getting bumped the wrong way can cause a miscarriage, right? So <clears throat> at this time, it is very common sense to err on the side of caution. Obviously, the CDC recommends against that. Um, I will say, though, that as, as horrible as the vaccine connection to miscarriages would be, I will say that orders of magnitude worse are the numbers of, of women, pregnant women who, who contract COVID during pregnancy and end up losing the baby. It is, it is far, far worse. I think the last one I saw was 13 times. It, it was either 10, 20, it was in the 10, 20 or 30%. It was, it was significant. It wasn't like a 1% more likely to lose a baby. It was, it was very significant. So that's the other thing. It's, it's a decision between you and your doctor. If you are somewhere where the odds of you contracting COVID are significant, the data shows, even if you take the, the, the worst case scenario of the vaccine numbers of the vaccine causing miscarriages, the data shows that it is far more dangerous for the unborn child, for the mother to contract COVID than for the mother to get vaccinated. Now uh, that I'm not in a position to tell you what to do. I'm not in a position. It, it's something everyone has to decide on their own. As a pregnant mother, it is up to you to decide what you do for your child and what you do for you, but everything has risks. Everything does. And, and to present it again, I, I am, I'm, I'm always very hesitant because knowing just how many things can cause miscarriages, I'm very hesitant just to take that number and to say firmly that X caused Y. And that's not to discount it and say it's not possible. It's, it's entirely possible, which is again, why most drugs and most vaccines are not recommended for pregnant women because pretty much everything can cause a miscarriage. But it's important to wait for the data. It's important to analyze the data. And if you don't trust the CDC, I'm sure we all know someone who works in, in finance, works in, in math or statistics, who can look at the numbers and can provide analyses after the CDC. 
don't just trust the CDC. Conduct the analyses yourself. And I, I, as nerdy as this might sound, take the time to learn a little statistics. I think you'll be surprised at how useful it is in your everyday life. Understanding probabilities, understanding, um, understanding causation, correlation, things like that. Very important, especially when you look at things like political polling, which we do all the time, <clears throat> identifying bias in political polling. So again, I, I know people are going to say, that, oh, you're, you're pro-vax, you're pro-vax. I'm not, this is not a pro-vax thing. This is a pro-statistics segment. And I, I just, I'm, I get very hesitant. I get very uncomfortable when we spend a year doing hard statistical analyses to disprove the idea of, of unsupported causation. People who allege causation without being able to back up with numbers. I, I get very uncomfortable when we spend a year doing that. And then we see people on our front doing the same thing. Now, we, we should be better than them. It's not when they go low, we go lower. When they go low, we call them out for what they're doing. And, and, and we do it the right way. Everich says, statistics makes BS look real. Yes, you can, you can massage statistics. You absolutely can. You absolutely can massage statistics to make things look real. Case in point, Joe Biden's 63% approval rating. Joe says, Joe, Joe doesn't want to hear it. I mean, obviously it's fake. But one of the reasons it's fake is that they talked to 25%. 25% of the sample was African-American. 12% of the sample was Asian. Even though African-Americans represent 12% of the population, Asians represent six, they double counted Asian and black respondents. They, they basically counted them double their, their uh, percentage of the population. Two bodies that are overwhelmingly skewed Democrat. So of course, Joe Biden has a 63% approval rating when you oversample Democrats, which is what they do all the time, right? So statistics, you can obviously massage statistics to say whatever you want them to say. But the proof really is, it, 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 you, you can't hide it, right? If you get into the data set, you can tell whether statistics have been massaged. Now, obviously, they can make up numbers. That's, that's always true. They can just fraudulently make up numbers, and then you'll never get to the truth. But if they present the real numbers and show you how they've massaged the sample, then yes, you can always point out bad statistics, and you can always count them out, count, uh, call them out on it. But in order to do that, you have to have the knowledge of the statistical analyses up front. And I'm no statistical whiz. I don't, I don't, I don't claim to be uh, a math whiz. But I know enough to call out the BS and to urge caution when it comes to making connections that the data doesn't necessarily support making at this time. So again, not a pro segment, though I'm seeing plenty of messages suggesting that I am pro-vax, just a pro-statistics. Let's be honest. And, let, and let's, uh, let, let's be better than the left. Let's be better than the leftists are claiming that anyone who died with COVID died from COVID. Well, that's going to be it. My voice is starting to go. <clears throat> My voice is starting to go. So that's a good as time as any to end the show. If you like this podcast, if you want to hear more podcasts like this, we, we're lining up more interviews in the coming days. Last week was kind of weird because I got sick. I'm still coming back from it, uh, but we got to just push through it. If you like the podcast, please do consider donating. There's a donation link in the description. Uh, on DLive, there is a panel. If you scroll all the way down, there's a panel to donate directly to the show. Um, we also accept lemons. Lemons are great. So we will never turn down lemons, and we will give lemons back to you as fast as we can. 
Um, but if you like the podcast, also please do make sure you sign up for the audio version of the podcast. The way we are able to pay the bills and expand the show, right? We have take show now on on once a week. I'm looking at bringing out other more topical shows, not every day, maybe a once a week thing, different kind of topics. The way we expand is uh, through sponsorships. So the way we can actually get sponsorships is by proving the numbers. They don't care how many people are on DLive. They don't care how many people are on Facebook or our website. They care about audio downloads. So if you haven't already, please do subscribe to the Conservative Daily Podcast on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't, if you have a Mac device, please do leave us a five-star review. Or you can find us on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or Podbean. All of those links, of course, are in the description. Please do subscribe and download the podcast. Even if you listen live, help us prove the numbers and help us get more sponsors. So that's going to be it for this edition of the podcast. Again, my name is Max McGuire. Joe had to jump out early to work on some stuff for the company. But remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country isn't over yet. But the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together.